Are you here? You are indeed, and thank you for tuning in to the Paul Leslie Hour. Will Kimbrough returns for his second interview with Paul. Will Kimbrough is a respected and beloved singer, songwriter, performing and recording artist, and record producer. Now, Will Kimbrough, gifted songwriter that he is, co-wrote five songs on equal strain on all parts. The final posthumous album of legendary singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett. Will joins us to talk about that and more. Hey, real quick, you must subscribe to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel. Gotta do it. We've got so much more content like this a-coming, and maybe you'd like to treat Paul to a hot or a cold beverage. Hmm? Sure. Why not? Just visit thepaulleslie.com slash support. Thanks. And with that, I must admit, these words I say about this time. Let's listen together. Hello. Hey, Will Kimbrough. How are you, sir? How are you, Paul? I'm good. I'm doing good. From are you where? In Atlanta? I was in Atlanta. I'm in Charleston uh-huh. right now. Okay. Charleston, Tennessee. And where are you joining us from t- today? I'm at home in Nashville. Okay. Well, Will, thank you so much for for making the time to speak with us. Yeah, man. Yes, indeed. Well, you are joining us on November 3rd, 2023. And this just so happens to be the release day for the final posthumous album of Jimmy Buffett. Yep. And you have five co-writes on that album. Yep. How does a day like today feel for you? Um, <clears throat> well, I had to uh, get my gear together and go to a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's bitter. It's bittersweet, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wrote, uh, made seven records with Jimmy, and uh, we. Worked on tw- a little over twenty songs together for those albums, and uh, we won't get to do it anymore. Right, right. But uh, but getting to do it was a great joy. So it's so it is literally bittersweet. But I'd say it's sweet bitter because it's more more sweet than it is bitter. Uh, <laughs> but you know we uh, you know you make friends with somebody and you work with them and then they're and then they're gone and and you and then you just uh, carry them with you where you go. The last time we talked, which I'm I'm realizing now was seventeen years ago. Um, wow, <laughs> you're still at it. Yeah, we we talked well, a little. With, what else with am our, I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, we we brushed on it a, a little bit the, the first time, but what would you say the influence Mobile, Alabama, has had on you? Well, uh, massive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I was born there. I grew up there. Um, when you grow up in Mobile, you're smack dab between Florida beaches and New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. And you're south of every everywhere except for South Florida in America. You know, you walk a few feet south and your feet are in the water. Right. You walk a few feet north and your feet are in the water. You walk east or west and your feet are in the water. Um. And uh, the, there's uh, 
great music from there. There's great music being made there now. There's great food. Uh, there's literary people. And there were when I was growing up. And so it's a great gift to, to be from there and get to uh, know those people, get to know the music people and the book people and the food people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I was growing up, there was still, uh, you know, French speakers down on Mont Louis Island and places like that. So it's a, you know, it's an old deep South Spanish French kind of place. And uh, and then it's also a weird deep South place in Alabama. Yeah. So, yeah. I love, you know. It's everything. It's everything. I was born there, you know. It's a place maybe not everybody has been to, but I, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. Yeah. But you mentioned something you said just to the west there is New Orleans. Can you tell us about right. your early recollections, your early connections to New Orleans? Yeah, my uh my mother's best friend from college uh settled in Slidell and and um which is right across the lake from New Orleans and right across Lake Pontchartrain. And so I was friends with uh my mom's friends kids and I would go stay in Slidell uh for a couple of weeks every summer. And so every day you'd go I mean to go get milk at the grocery store, we'd pop across the bridge and go to Schwegman's on the chef mentor highway. And then also my mom's friend, her name is uh, Sarah Ann and her, her business was a interior decorating business. So she also pop over to Royal street in the quarter and look at antiques for her clients. And so, and also I grew up in mobile. So it was literally two hours from my parents' door to be in, in the city of new Orleans. So we went all the time. Uh, my sister lived there in the early 80s and um so i've spent a lot of time in new orleans i've never lived there you know by the time i was ready to move somewhere uh it would have just been a cultural choice and less of like a music career choice to live there Mm. to be honest because in the early 80s mid 80s new orleans was it's a great place to go but there wasn't anything really happening there except for jazz fest and just local gigs and I'm not from there, so it's different. You know, you can move there and, and try to get started and be, make yourself a New Orleanian. And, and there's plenty of people who have. Hmm. You know, there's a couple of good artists who are from from Sweden who have, you know, made you know Anders Osborne and um and his ex-wife fiddle player. Um, but they're New Orleans musicians now. They've been there a long time. But uh, but I spent a lot of time there. So yeah, um, I mean, my dad's favorite place to eat was Mandina's. And which is in the mid city on uh, Canal Street. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time in New Orleans. I've never lived there. I'd love to have say I, I'd love to be able to say I, I lived there at one point, but it's probably not going to happen now. <laughs> but uh, but well, because I'm, I'm doing what I do, which is when you play music for a living, you're you're going to be traveling. Right. And if and if and um, I'm in a great place to be to do that, which is Nashville, which is a musician city, a songwriter city and a, and a central city to the United States and North America in general and the Western Hemisphere. And there's an air uh, pre- pretty easy to access airport, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But I was in anywhere. New Orleans a couple of weeks ago and then I got something to eat. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You- Speaking of something to eat, the opening track of of this 
Buffett record. Yeah. The University of Bourbon Street. You got so many references in there. The Neville Brothers. Yeah. Po' Boys. Um, Mofalettas. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. W- was that a joyous song to write? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the way Jimmy and I wrote in the last four years was remotely. But we had so much in common that he could just drop references and I would get a song started. And that was really how we wrote. He would he would send he would send me an idea and I knew the, the references. Um, so. Uh, not every reference, but we had enough in common just for him to go, hey, what about this? Maybe you can get something started. I got to in the last four years, you know, I've got to go get treated in Boston. I got to go get treated in Houston. And then I got to be in, in, and then I'm going to live my life uh, as Jimmy Buffett, the, you know, airplane flying, uh, mega, mega entrepreneur guy. Hmm. So who uh, would also spend his winters in somewhere warm with water, you know, so he would be somewhere far away, but there was trust. There was trust that I would uh, take care with his idea and send it to him. And then let him do whatever he wanted with it. And he'd send it back to me and we'd go back and forth. That's literally what we did with all five of these songs. And also the songs that we worked on for the last record for uh, Life on the Flip Side. Right. So those songs, those records were all done remotely like that. Not the records, but the the, the, uh, the writing. Because it, he, the, this was all fell under the time in which he was receiving treatment for his illness. And uh, although he always had plenty of energy, but he had to go do it. He had to go be in either Houston or or Boston. And so he'd say, I'm ready to write. Why don't you run with this? And so, uh, yeah, the, the references were flying. The, the the rough drafts of that song are, have just endless verses of, of stuff, you know. Hmm. So it was, it was fun. And But also we rewrote the entire lyric in the studio. So, hmm. I mean, we didn't change every line. But uh, but we we recorded the track, which is the whole track, excluding the uh, Preservation Hall band. And so everything else that's on there is on there. And then Jimmy decided he wanted to rewrite the lyrics. And uh, so we sat down in a, a little room in the studio and, and spent about an hour and rewrote the just rewrote the lyrics. Hmm. And so. uh but the song was the song was written, so you know it was just making changes. Yeah, but you know that happens. I mean, the way a song is written could be anyway. You could write it in the studio. You could write it, you know, the lyrics in the vocal booth. You could make them up while you sing them. You could write them ten years before and spend you know day after day editing. You know, it could be. It really could be anything. And in this case, we. The basic uh, format of the song was something that I made up at my house, sitting on the couch like this, you know, you know, sent it to Jimmy and then he started changing lyrics and then we got a form that we liked and then he wanted to change the lyrics in the studio. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm, you know, collaborator with him for his record. So whatever he, whatever he wants to try, I'm willing to go with him. Was it especially a kick to hear the Preservation Hall jazz band on that track? Absolutely. I had just gone to see them at the <laughs> Skirmerhorn uh, Symphony Center here uh, 
and then about a week later, uh, my, my mom and, and uh, my daughter and I went to see the Preservation Hall Band. And we got to sit behind them in the choir seats and look down behind the drummer. And my mother was, you know, saying, oh, I love being behind the drummer, watching what the drummer does from the drummer's point of view. And then um, and then a couple of days later, uh, Mac McAnally sent me a rough mix of the Preservation Hall Band on there. So, yeah, I was. I was absolutely thrilled, not only with the concept of it, you know, just being able to say it. You know, I, I wrote a, I wrote a song with Jimmy <laughs> Buffett, Preservation Hall Band's on it. I'm also playing on it. There are moments where I'm playing a little lick and then they answer me. And uh, so it's pretty great. Yeah, very cool. Dream come true, you know. <laughs> and, you know, as a vocalist yourself, I would be curious to know your take on this. Jimmy Buffett was someone who was always in interviews and whatnot, self-deprecating about his vocals. But then yeah. you li- you listen to certain tracks like Stars Fell on Alabama doing a song that Sinatra recorded. And right. I, I played that song for a real serious Sinatra historian. And he said, who is this? This is an amazing vocal. And I said, you'll never guess. <laughs> it's Jimmy yeah. Buffett. What did you think of the vocalist Jimmy Buffett? Well, he's in that category of singers that are uh, that are that aren't technically they're not choir singers, right? They're not opera singers. They're not Broadway singers. Um, they're not pretty singers necessarily, but and those include uh, Jimmy, Bob Dylan, Nina Simone. Uh, Johnny Cash, Jimi Hendrix, Leonard Cohen, uh, you know, Hazel Dickens, all kind of people who have sort of a, a, a maybe even Loretta Lynn. You know, there's like a there's a homeliness to it hmm. and homeliness is usually associated with being not pretty. But if you think about the word, it me- it also make it, it makes you feel like you're at home mm-hmm. when, you know, when Johnny Cash sings. Everybody in the world knows who Johnny Cash is. You know, it's like Muhammad Ali or something or, or, you know, whatever. So I think Jimmy's like that, too. It's like it's like somebody singing to you and you feel like you know them and you also feel like they know you. Hmm. And so that's the, the and that doesn't mean that they're not good singers. In fact, all those people I just mentioned by anybody's standard are great singers. They're just not pretty, pretty, pretty singers. That's not the point of their music, their point. Hmm of you know particularly uh, in different ways but still you know uh randy newman's another one you know and i said nina simone people think of her as a great jazz singer but she sang she flirted with being out of tune her whole life that was her voice but there's something about that that makes it all the more powerful that so and I think Buffett's in a different way. There's like this guy that you know and knows you, your your buddies up there singing. And um, and it could be just something fun and almost spoken. You know, why don't we get drunk and screw or, you know, uh, or him when he would do the Lord Buckley kind of stuff or songs that he really loved. Old fashioned songs. Stars fell in Alabama. You know, he went to Paris. Death of an unpopular poet. All those kind of songs. Well, there's this other side, too, where that it's a heartfelt thing. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so he's he's a great singer. He's one of the great singers. 
that doesn't have anything to do with whether how pretty you sing. It's <laughs> it's that you're a great singer. And he's he's one of them. This question comes from Brent Jones. Um, he says that he saw you performing in Alabama just recently. He asks, what was it like performing Bubbles Up in front of an emotional crowd in Gulf Shores? Oh, well, it was very emotional. Uh, people started blowing bubbles as soon as I started playing it. And there was something about that that was extremely poignant. I mean, it's I don't have to explain that, you know. Uh, it was, I was with a bunch of people who loved the guy and I'm a guy who loved the guy and I'm playing a song that we wrote from a very heartfelt place. Um, and then people are out there in the sunshine, the Gulf of Mexico, glistening in the sun, blowing bubbles. It was very, uh, it was very moving, you know, and it felt like, but I, and I think sometimes people ask you as, as a performer, how can you get through a song without you know, stopping and breaking into tears. Well, it's it's just part of the performer. You know, you you're 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 in a different place when you're performing. So, but it was still very moving. I mean, I had the at the beginning of the first bubbles flew over me. And I was like, oh wow, this is this is going to be emotional, and it was. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Absolutely. Thank you. Another one. That's another another one that he he that we we wrote the same way. You know, I think I came up with the the form of uh, bubbles up, University of Bourbon Street in the same sitting, hmm. and sent them off to Jimmy because he just gave me these ideas and I just I just went with my my gut and he liked it so that was good. I'm always in awe of songs that take something that maybe would just seemingly be every day like. A bubble, bubbles, mm -hmm. a blue sky, you know, and yeah. turn and turns it into something profound, even. Yeah. And this one does. Me, me too. Yeah, I mean, and uh, just for someone, I, I've I've talked about this, but I'll say it again, and I'll never forget it. That to have that trust of somebody like him, somebody who who wrote, you know, a pirate looks at forty, and and who sang uh stars fell in alabama the way that he did and and also just who entertained millions of people for 50 years to have that trust of him to just run with his idea and then send it to him later on a phone recording and have him just be perfectly happy with that relationship just showed how open he was to however how are we going to get the song done we're not you know he wasn't going to say oh too bad we can't get together I guess we can't write. He was like, Hey, would you mind writing this way? And I was like, sure. So that, so that trust was, is holy to me. Mm. It's very moving to think about it, that, that I was trusted by this guy. And I, and we trusted each other and, and there was never any like, Oh, I better not send him my idea. He might mess it up, you know, from either mm. end. Cause think about that. I mean, he was sending me his ideas and, this new record comes out. The first two songs on the on the record are songs I sat downstairs from here one day over Christmas and recorded them on my phone and sent it to him. He liked them. They're the first two songs on his record. Hmm. So it's amazing. There's a, a very jubilant song, and it's got a, I guess you'd say, Afro-Caribbean beat to it. I'm talking about the... Mm -hmm. 
the tea punch cafe, which is just genius. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you have you had a song like that? And it, oh, by the way, it has Angelique Kidjo on it, which is just magical. <laughs> right. I can't believe that those uh that voice is is singing some words that I had something to do with. And um it's yeah, it's so Jimmy and I both love uh Caribbean music from calypso to reggae to you know whatever you want to call the different kinds of music. Um ska, reggae, calypso, blue beat, whatever, lovers rock, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And uh and then also the uh, African music, particularly as it turns out, the sort of West African guitar music. You know, we we bonded over Tanari one years and years ago. Um, there's a song uh, that the title track of the record Buffet Hotel mm -hmm. is um, I, I get to play slide guitar and banjo with Tumani Diabate's uh, Cora harp with Cedric Burnside playing uh, playing playing north mississippi drums and lightning malcolm playing north mississippi guitar and it's all put on there together um so the but jimmy buffett wasn't known to the masses as a musicologist <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of attention paid to that but so that that love and that sort of collaboration idea had started um i'll, I'll tell you this because i worked with buffett i got to be on records with bill withers uh paul mccartney the Preservation Hall Band, Angelique Kijo, um, Mark Knopfler, <laughs> you know, it just goes on and on. And, and, and it because he was sure he wanted anybody would want McCartney on their record or but but he also he, the, all the people that he put on there were people that he had that he was either a fan of them or he became their friend or both. Mm. And so uh, so when he when I got the went over to Mac McAnally's place with my my banjo and my and I borrowed Matt's Max uh, Stratocaster to play slide. And I went over and played harmonica on wings, the song we wrote. And uh, then I played on Buffet Hotel, which is this. You know, the, it's the story really of, of when Jimmy and Chris Blackwell and Bill Flanagan went to Africa to try to meet the members of the rail band who are a legendary African, you know, uh, I don't know if it's high life. I think it's a high life band. And they tried, they tried to get the rail band back together and uh, they ended up doing it through this whole convoluted story. So that's what that, that song is about. And so I got to collaborate with an African music legend who made records with Ali Farcature and also with North Mississippi blues people. And um, for whatever reason, I got to go in there and do the do that stuff. But I think that Jimmy and Mac both knew that I I, under, I, I was a fan of that music. I won't say that I understood it. Hmm. I understood it enough to play along and, and train off licks on the slide and the banjo with the Cora and the North Mississippi Blues because I'm a music fan. And, and um, I think that's what makes you like a, a session player or something like that is that you you learn enough of all the styles to sort of be able to go. Yeah, OK, let's play you know, North African groove and E minor, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I can't believe I got just saying that's going, wow, I actually did that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. But to be singing, playing on a song with Angelique Kijo singing is huge. I've, I've seen her perform and she's a, a just mind blowingly amazing artist. 
it's it's quite a quite a magical track i think yeah it's got so much energy yeah yeah it does it's 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 uh soothing and at the same time energetic Mm. yeah the kind of world music vibe continues though in the portugal or pei song right and did you know lenny gallant previously I knew of his music, but I but I didn't know him. And um and so there was another song where Jimmy said, Run with this. And so I I took his ideas that he sent me. He sent me some snippets of lyrics and just you know, handwritten kind of ideas about what the song is about. And like and then I just started sort of educating myself on Prince Edward Island and ed- educating myself on Portugal and trying to educate myself a little bit about like uh, you know, kind of fado kind of music, but that's fado really is not one style. It's just a a tradition and a song in, in Portugal because there's a lot of different kind of music called fado, and so I I ended up picking up to have a an eight string tenor ukulele, and I came up with the the little lick that starts the whole song and it turned into the chord progression. And Jimmy had said, I guess I was born with the nomad gene. There's very little of the planet that I haven't seen. So I just started with that and ran with it. And um, and in the end, at the end, the uh, part that says, till then I'll be in the conga line. Where am I going to go? That was like this whole part I did on my original demo for Jimmy. And it got all changed. That song went through all kind of, you know. Uh, and then Jimmy sent it to Lenny and Lenny sent stuff back. And so it got, and then uh, Mac wrote the chorus and, uh, and then they put back in later that life is always better when you add a little Island, you know, that part was something that I made up at home. And it's pretty amazing that that collaboration, because it's, it's literally kind of a global <laughs> where we all were in the world at the time. And then, uh, I was playing my my tenor, I mean my eight string ukulele, just because that was the closest thing I could get to some sort of, you know, Portuguese nylon string instrument that I had at my disposal. So that that was a real fun collaboration. It just went on and on and on, and, and Jimmy kept, you know, adding other people to the email chain. I was like, "Who's Lenny?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Lenny Gallant." And I looked, and I was like, "He's a Canadian. Yeah, he's a Prince Edward Island. He's a folk singer." And so I looked him up and then and then he started writing lyrics for the song. It was great. Yeah. Just I mean, that's a p- part of the bitter, the bitter part of the bittersweet release day today is that. I won't get to do that again with Jimmy. I mm-hmm. hope I can. I hope I keep that spirit in, in myself and carry it on for the rest of my life. That open spirit and like, hey, let's get so and so involved, you know, mm-hmm. Because in the end, the Tea Punch Cafe is also co-written with Angelique Kijo. She's one of the writers now, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like we, we've I've co-written, uh, I've collaborated with her. I've collaborated with, you know, Lenny. I've collaborated with Tumani Diabate and the Preservation Hall Band, and <laughs> all because of Jimmy Buffett. Now, I mean, I would have I would have said yes to any of those people anyway, but because of Jimmy, it actually happened. So yeah. that's the kind of person he was. You know, open, open-minded, and open spirit, open heart. What you're saying reminds me of of a, a Lenny Gallant lyric that I always thought was just—I I don't know—it always stuck with me. These doors and windows open wide, just the you know the the yeah. possibilities. Yeah, the possibilities. That's a good point. 
Huh. So the, and I, and and so you know Jimmy was a, a ambitious. You know these these songs are T Punch and uh, PEI Portugal are and really ambitious songs. And so was University of Bourbon Street. I'm going to write the story of my life in a three and a half minute song. Uh, you know the story of my young life, like a little a novel about my young life in New Orleans. And I'm going to let this guy that I know, who I think knows a little bit about this kind of music run with it and then we'll and then we'll we'll finish it up and the so that yeah the possibilities instead of being uh, uh apprehensive about what someone else might do with your idea he he was interested in the possibilities hmm. of hmm. opening that door and saying yeah and open this window over there yeah and then uh we'll we'll let the breeze in and, and let the rain in and then we'll write it all down and we'll see what happens you know and then i know these people from africa they're going to sing on it it's going to be you know it's going to have a lot of energy. <laughs> I want everybody out there to go to willkimbro.com. There's a song on there when this is all over. Mm-hmm. And it's a great song, a short song. Have you changed yeah. the way you approach loss as you've grown older? Well, I still have so much to lose, <laughs> so I have so much to learn. Hmm. But uh, and that's—I mean that in a grateful way. Um, I know when I when I lost my my father, I had a certain way of dealing with that, and that was a long, drawn-out illness, you know, over years. So that was a whole different thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think so. Um, but I, you know, we have to change uh, the way we deal with loss the older we get because we have we experience so much more. You know, yeah. as we get older, there's just it starts to just ramp up. You know, uh, you you start losing all your heroes, you start losing all your friends, and you start losing all your family. And so it it hasn't really kicked in hard for me yet. But I did lose my dad, uh, but he had a great life. So hey, celebrate that. And similar to uh, uh, to Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Jimmy and my dad got sick at the same age, you know, in their in their mid seventies kind of thing. So. So note to self, you know, do do the things you want to do. Yeah. No kidding. Has there been anything about your life that has surprised you? I know you have, have told us about all these, you know, being able to work with international stars and appearing yeah. on an album that Paul McCartney also uh, appeared on. That's a big thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. anything else? Well, just that I got to one thing is that I got to uh, let my roads cross paths with with Buffett at all uh, is is very it was as as likely as it might seem just because we're from the same kind of area of the world and we both were singer songwriters, but the fact that I uh, decided I would go play guitar for Todd Snyder is really how that happened, and so. Uh, that night at Tipitina's in New Orleans, and I found myself standing backstage in a crowded room, Jimmy Buffett, right next to me. And I decided to say, hey, Jimmy, I'm Will. I'm Will Kimbrough from Mobile, Alabama. And he said, oh, you're you're just another escapee. <laughs> and I said, right. And um, and then. Uh, and uh, so. There's a lot of surprise. I mean, um, I'm I'm sitting here in my nice house in nashville uh with 
you know, more work than I know what to do with. And I, I say work, I mean, musical work, creative work. And that's what I, that's one of the things that I would, I would do as a hobby. I would do for fun anyway, if it weren't my profession. So that's a, that's a daily surprise that I still get, I'm still getting away with it. You know, I'm still getting away with being an escapee from lower Alabama <laughs> who, um, which didn't mean that anything wrong with lower Alabama. It just means, you know, I, I left to pursue my dream and here I am living it. So it's a surprise every day that I still get to do it. And um, I've got a beautiful family and more friends than I have time to see. And I'm um, a crazy dog over here. And so, <laughs> yeah, lots of surprises. I mean, I'm surprised at what I'm surprised about, but um as you live your life and get a little older, you, you can look back and appreciate a lot of the things that maybe when you were a kid, you thought were sort of like disappointments. I mean, now you look at them as, as lessons mm. and also experiences that who gets to have all the experiences that I've had in my, my little rock and roll band going to New York all the time and trying to get record deals and finally getting a record deal. And it turned out to be a big disappointment, but Hey, who gets to, mm. who gets to have a major label record deal? Very, very few people in the grand scheme of things and get to go to bearsville and meet rick danko and you know meet all the people in woodstock and meet sally grossman who's you know the was on the cover of bob dylan's bringing it all back home and she's sending over champagne to our table on my 25th birthday and now who cares if we my my little rock band made it or not it we, <laughs> i'm here sitting here you know talking to you about a record that came out today uh, with somebody that millions of people kind of idolized. And, and so I get to be part of something bigger than me, but the main thing is I get to just do music and I get asked to be creative like on a daily basis. And I like that. Like it's no longer, it doesn't feel like pressure anymore to me. It feels like an opportunity mm -hmm. possibility, as you said, the life of possibility. Um, I'm surprised every day and I'm grateful. Will, what does Jimmy Buffett mean to you? Uh, he means a, um, a mentor and a teacher and a partner and a friend who um, reached out to me to help him uh, find a creative spark. He and he also knew very well how much it helped me mm. to be involved with him, and so I think it was um, it was very loving of him to to reach out to me seven records in a row for a twenty year period. I also know that he felt like I would always jump at the chance and and help him light his creative fire, and I wasn't afraid to go full on, you know, Afro Caribbean or write a happy song in a minor key like PEI Portugal, you know, it's in, it's in a minor key, but a lot of world music that's very joyful has a minor sound. And so there wasn't, there, I didn't have very much of that sort of Nashville uh, uh, music row writer who'd be like, well, now that sounds like a minor chord, you know, we better not put that in there. You know, I was, so I think for him, for, he was to me a, a mentor and a teacher and a partner and a, uh, and a friend. And, and that's a good thing to have. Absolutely. Well, everybody out there, it's willkimbro.com, K-I-M-B-R-O-U-G. 
G-H, right? Yes, Will, sir. Willkimbrough.com. And Will, thank you so much for spending time with thank us. Thank you, Paul. When, uh, you know, after Mr. Buffett had passed away, I it was a few weeks later, and I was listening on Spotify to your version of the song Wings. And, it, you know, I, it was the first time that I had this kind of feeling of um, emotions taking over. That's such a beautiful song. And, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Any any uh closing words as we as we part for now? I would say the people who are uh mourning the loss of, of Jimmy that, that let's celebrate that he was here at all and that we uh and then we got to laugh and dance and sing along and let's keep uh let's keep it going. Let's keep the party going. Let's uh let's have joy and gratitude and 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 be interested in life and and let's uh, find the next possibility hmm. for uh, an excuse to get together with people and experience joy through stories and songs and uh, food and culture and celebrate our differences and uh, for a change hmm. and um, and uh, create a little peace and love through happiness and music and, and food and stories. So, yeah. And and I think that this new Buffett record is an example of a life lived seeking that out very successfully. So, but nevertheless, there it is. Um, so, yeah, let's get together and feel all right. Like uh, <laughs> Bob Marley would say. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Will. Well, thank you so thank much. You, Paul. All Take right. care of yourself. And you as well. Thank you. Until brother. next time. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good. <laughs>